Welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. I'm here to welcome you into the world of orgasmic living by hosting experts to discuss orgasmic topics such as nutrition, spirituality, personal development, sexuality, and much more. Here, we will offer lifestyle lessons that can help you lead a fulfilling, joyous, and orgasmic lifestyle. I'm your guide, Venus O'Hara. Welcome to the 53rd episode of the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. In this Sturgeon Moon episode, we'll be discussing safe sex and condoms. I'll be interviewing Whitney and Yasmin, the founders of Gems Condoms. Then I'll be discussing the book I'm reading now, which is The Better Man, a guide to consent, stronger relationships, and hotter sex by Dr. Eric Fitzmedrud. And finally, we'll be experiencing a guided meditation with affirmations for safe sex. But first, let me share with you some of my own reflections on condoms and safe sex. Let's talk about condoms. I've always been a really big fan of condoms. I've also always shared um, content about condoms in, that's been very favorable. I even made a post on my website called Condom Fetish. I even encountered some followers of mine who were actually turned on by condoms and, um, and doing what we call in England a posh wank where you masturbate in a condom so it keeps everything very clean and you don't have to wipe anything up. And um, it's interesting that, that some people can actually be turned on by condoms when we often hear lots of lots of complaints about them reducing sensitivity or feeling tight, etc. I've been very fortunate in the fact that most of my partners have been um, very willing to use condoms and not complain about them, which has been wonderful. I first learned about condoms um, when I was a teenager, like many people, and unfortunately in the sex education that I received in my Catholic high school, we were not taught about condoms. It was something that we knew from, let's say, just the TV or, or the media or even women's magazines where I got most of my sex education from. And also down the road in the Protestant school, they were putting condoms on cucumbers as part of their sex education lessons. But in our school, the emphasis was on um, abstinence and also having sex for reproduction in the context of a loving marriage. So the condoms thing was just kind of completely ignored. However, I knew that condoms would definitely be part of my sexuality and and they were. So when I started having sex, I went um, to the family planning clinic in the UK, which was, you could go without an appointment, which was amazing. And they would give you, um, they would give you, let's say, lots of different types of condoms. And they said a month's supply was 10 condoms. <laughs> I got through them in a week. It was cra crazy when I first started having sex. It was, it was incredible. And there were many different types to try as well. And you could mention that you were trying to look for some different types. Um, and they were just, they were, they were very, there was no um, scarcity in condoms, but let's put it that way. So even when I went to university, um, there was always a lot of condoms around and, the, and no one could ever say that there was no condoms. Uh, they had no condoms or they couldn't, or they had to have sex without one. It was just like, we had so, so, so many. It was incredible. And I also liked to use condoms when I was even taking the pill because I used to have a very, 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 very irregular period. And I was very scared about um, getting pregnant and not knowing about it. Because if you have a regular period, it's a bit difficult, more difficult to track if something happens. So I was using condoms and the pill many times and then having boyfriends who didn't try and go without, which was amazing. Then when I came to Spain, um, there were no free condoms and that meant I had to buy them. But I felt so embarrassed going into a pharmacy with my English accent and asking for preservativos, which is a weird word, preservatives. <laughs> it's so weird. So I got my boyfriends to get them instead. And um, I always found that different men um, have different tastes. It's like someone who's a smoker having their favorite brand. And I also think many men f have their find their favorite brand as well. So what's really important with condoms is that not all condoms are the same in terms of the size of the girth. And that's the most important thing to look for, the girth rather than the length, because the length always seems to be quite long. 
Um, but the girth is the most important part to actually find a comfortable fit. And once you find the comfortable fit, it's good to stick with that brand and always have an abundant source of them as well. I wrote about condom fetish on my website, venusohara.org, a few years ago, and I came across this kink where men actually enjoy that, that feeling of latex on their penises and they indulge in what we call posh wanks, which is masturbating with a condom on, which, which keeps things all very tidy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's, it's kind of interesting to know that what most people find uncomfortable in reducing their sensitivity, other people can find a big turn on as well. Then uh, after years and years of uh, being in Spain, fortunately, I started to notice condoms being available in supermarkets and that made life a lot more, a lot easier for me. Not that we should be embarrassed when asking for condoms, that we shouldn't be at all, but I just really felt awkward asking for condoms in, um, in, a, in a chemist. I used to wait outside while my boyfriend used to buy them. But when they're in supermarkets, it's just easy. You just put it in your basket and hide them among your groceries and um, no questions asked. It was just, you know, one of those things. And um, yeah, so that was a that would make life a lot easier for me. And another complaint about condoms is that they ruin the moment and um, or they interrupt the flow of a sexual encounter. I would highly disagree with this. I think it's a good moment to kind of touch base and, and set your intentions for going further, for, for having um to take it for taking things to the next level, uh, let's say penetration, and also to kind of avoid that potential awkwardness or discomfort. I, I prefer to be the one putting the condom on because I also think that it's important to know that it's on properly because I'm not, I mean, condoms can break, etc., when they're not put on properly. It's very important to do that. That's why it's so important to have education about condoms and not just um, hope for the best and also read the leaflet. Um, so let's, let's say sque squeezing the top and rolling down and putting it on the right way as well, because sometimes it quite, might not be very clear. And it's so, so, so important to to do that. And another big complaint about porn that I have is the lack of condoms in porn. And, and I remember seeing some condoms in porn once when I was um, years ago when I was actually, uh, what was the word? I was actually on a, a panel um, in the Spanish Porn Awards um, trying to see, you know, who's the best you know, is finding out who the best actors and scenes were, etc. And I did see some some um, porn with condoms. I was really, I was happy to see them there. However, when I saw how they were putting them on, you know, putting them on with your mouth or putting them on the top, uh, the tip of the penis, then roll and stretching and rolling them down, I was thinking, wow, it's good to have them there. But if you're if you're reinforcing these incorrect ways of of putting them on, then it, it it's no good at all because that it's more likely that they will break like that, and then all your good intentions just go to waste. It's happened to me a few times when I've had all these good intentions and the condom is broken. It's just been such an awful situation, um, especially sometimes half of the condom can stay inside you. It's hard to get out. Yeah, it's very, very, very annoying. So it's very important to have as much education about condoms as possible, have an abundant source, the type that's comfortable for you, and know how to put them on properly. Anyway, let's get more into this condom discussion with the founders of GEMS Condoms. Did you know that you could play video games with your vagina? I recently tried a product called Perifit, P-E-R-I-F-I-T, and it's one of the best pelvic floor trainers that I have ever tried. And basically you put something inside your vagina and then you connect with your phone and it has an app and you play video games while you are strengthening your pelvic floor. So you'll be killing birds and squeezing. It's so much fun. And also this device gives you some biofeedback on the app, which is very motivating because that means it will, it will you see how you are progressing and it means that you will be more motivated to continue with your pelvic floor training. I'd like to share with you a discount code for Perifit and the discount code is VENUS15, all capitals, VENUS15. And the website is perifit, P-E-R-I-F-I-T dot C-O. So if you would like to play video games with your vagina and strengthen your pelvic floor, check out perifit.co, discount code VENUS15. Now it's time for this episode's interview. We'll be speaking with Whitney and Yasmin, the founders of Gems Condoms. 
Yasmin and Whitney from GEMS, welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you here. And could you introduce yourselves and tell us about GEMS? Hi, I'm Whitney, and this is my partner, Yasmin. And we have actually been business partners for 11 years. We have a design studio in Toronto, Canada, um, where we've done all kinds of branding and identities and it was just before the pandemic when we found ourselves in the condomal, which looked like a place that time had forgotten. And we kind of came up with the idea to reinvent what the condom could be and how it appears in the lives of young people. And that's how we started GEMS. That's interesting. So what did you find that was missing in the condom aisle? So there was many condoms there, but not the ones you were looking for. So what was, what was missing? I think we... Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, I think we uh, have both been interested in the consumer packaged goods world for a long time. We're very conscious consumers. Whitney's actually celiac, so she's very used to inspecting uh, anything that she's consuming or putting in and around her body because gluten can cause her, you know, can really be problematic, is hugely problematic. So we realized there was a real lack of transparency uh, with condoms. You can't actually find the ingredients. They're not required to be listed on the packaging. And on top of that, there just seemed to be a real sort of toxic idea of sex and sexuality and um, even gender identity when in the in the packaging that really struck us as strange, especially given that this is 2023 and uh you know, there's been so much evolution, I think, around sex and gender, and it didn't feel represented in the marketing of condoms today. So it was sort of that was really what sparked um, the idea. We continue to do some research and realize that there is sorry, is that really audible? The, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry. There's a motor like. Oh, no, I can't hear it. No. Oh, OK. OK. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um there we realize that STIs are rising. They've been rising for six consecutive years and they're at the highest rates they've ever been. And this was sort of a statistic that we weren't aware of and we weren't sure that there was enough awareness around this idea. So there's clearly a need for safer sex. And, you know, part of helping young folks in particular have safer sex is rethinking safer sex products. And that was really our motivation to kind of um, turn the whole industry on its head as much as we can. So going back to the ingredients, I'm, I'm also really interested in clean ingredients. I'm a vegan. I, I eat organic, so I'm always uh, I'm always looking at um, ingredient lists as myself, especially with cosmetics. And um, for me, in my in my job as a sexual wellness content creator, something that really shocks me is lubricants. There's a lot of horrible ingredients in many lubricants as well. But I never thought about condoms. I mean, we like to think about using condoms as being a safe thing. And then you're talking about these toxic ingredients. Could you, could you share with us what are common toxic ingredients and what risks they can pose? Yeah, sure. So we, uh, you know, benzocaine is often one that we cite right off the bat. It's that numbing agent that is purported to enhance pleasure, potentially even increase stamina. So, um, but it, you know, it can really have reactions specifically for vulva-bearing people. So it's something that if you're not aware that it's in there, it's that it, because it, it's often, again, it's not really clear that it's in there, but there might be words like fire and ice or enhanced pleasure, but it's not exactly clear what that means and what ingredient that is. And so that's something that we've heard firsthand that has caused a lot of reactions, um, like, you know, fragrances. Um, flavors, uh, spermicide, all things that can be added without kind of the consumer being entirely aware that we specifically avoid in our product. So when you when people say uh, that they are allergic to latex, do you think it could be actually all these extra ingredients? Because that's we actually common. we actually do the the statistics around latex allergies is a lot smaller than we had thought. It's um, and so. We encourage those who are comfortable enough to do so to actually try again with a condom that only uses, you know, our silicone lube just to see because it could very well be some of the other ingredients that cause reactions. Yeah, and I think, you know, part of it is 
we don't want to scare people off of using condoms. It's certainly better to use a condom and, you know, get um, a small bacterial infection than it is, you know, to, to get a different STI or un unwanted pregnancy. But I think the idea being we should have transparency of ingredients. We wanted to create something for our bodies that we knew was safe um, and that kind of aligned with our values as a whole. Excellent. So also I saw they were vegan. So that's um, something that grabs my attention as a mm -hmm. vegan myself. Whenever I talk about vegan condoms, people always say, are they not vegan? Can you share that with us? How, how normal condoms are not vegan and, and why yours are? Because people are not aware of this detail. I believe some condoms do contain casein. So that would mm -hmm. be what would make them not vegan. Mm -hmm. um, and ours do not. And I mean, again, like, you know, we wanted to create a condom that was a stripped back version that you had all the necessary things, but to give the transparency as to what was in it. Like, it's just crazy that when you pick up other condoms, you can't find out. So you're, you know, there might be other ones out there that also don't have casein or are vegan, but they're just not listed. That was really important to us. And what, like the thing that we talk about, too, is it's kind of been a marketing ploy forever from the big condom manufacturers. So they'll add a bump or a rib or a flavor or a color and, you know, just segment the market and try to make more spending. But it creates so much confusion in that aisle, especially for young people. They don't know what they're going in and getting. Um, so with Gems, the idea was really to strip it back to what you need. And sort of our idea has been, you know, the way those companies have always tried to increase pleasure with the condoms and push it is, oh, we put a bump on there or, you know, this flavor or rib. Whereas what we believe is that if you feel safe, in the product you're using and you feel uninhibited, you're going to experience more pleasure. Uh, so that's really where we stand with Gems. That we've created a product that's amazing when you use it. It's comfortable and it's the best you can get and you feel safe in it. And then you will be able to experience the most pleasure. I have one of my clients that I won't mention who has actually created a condom and they told me about all of the red tape in terms of creating the product you know, from conception to actual production. Could you tell us about your experience with that? Because it takes a long time, I, I imagine. Is that correct? It was a lot. It was certainly, you know, we joke as we stood in that condom aisle and we thought, wow, we've got all this background in design. We can make this amazing package and we can sell it in all these amazing places. We were very naive as to what all that red tape would be. And it's been everything from right off the bat, there was a ton in the insurance side of things that we would, would never have understood about. You know, it's an FDA, it's a class two medical device. Um, and even navigating that, we happen to have someone on our team who is married to someone who is in insurance, and that helped us along, um, you know, all kinds of things. We couldn't get certain loans, like even government loans that had it had, would have a qualifier that said, you know, not for condom companies. We had, there's issues in terms of like, if you import it, then you can't re-export it. We had um, experienced massive shadow banning and censorship on every social platform possible. Um, you know, it's treated for better akin to pornography. So you can't talk about condoms. You can't even write the word condom, um, you know, which, again, we was something we thought, you know, governments have spent millions in the 80s and 90s on promoting condoms. We thought, oh, we're going to tap into all these grants. We're going to be able to shout this to the rooftops. And we've really experienced the opposite. So there was certainly um, much more red tape than we had anticipated. Wow. So how long did this process take then from the idea to actually getting that first pack in your hands? Was it a long time? It was about a full year. I mean, we... Oh, sounds, worked... doesn't sound too bad as compared it to what I've heard before. That... <laughs> it was, yeah, it wasn't that bad. It was, um, we, you know, Whitney and I had been doing a lot of percolating but prior to that. We sort of launched you know, I think incorporated the company uh, in April of 20, March of 2020, and then launched in April of 2021. Okay. So what about the name? Where does the name come from? Gems? We were sort of brainstorming. We wanted to be, we wanted it to be playful, light and fun. And this idea of, you know, we kept going back to Kleenex and, you know, Kleenex owning the space of tissues and it sort of grab a Kleenex. And we thought, what could be, you know, something in that vein? And we thought this idea of gems, it's a gem, grab your gems. It just, it really stuck with us. And we loved how it sounded and even how it looks. And so it was something we decided on quite early. And, and uh, yeah, we've never really looked back. <laughs> Excellent. So what, what, how, why did you choose a silicone lubricant then? Is there any, is there a reason for that? There is a reason. So uh, in terms of, you know, from a safety lens, which is always the lens that we 
look at everything first. It, it is the safest in terms of preventing abrasions. And abrasions, of course, are what can increase risk of transmitting STIs. So it's the longest lasting and, you know, um, most sort of, yeah, best at, at preventing abrasion. So that was number one. Um, from another perspective, though, it silicone is actually inert. And so it doesn't cause reaction uh, and it, it is pH neutral. So we, you know, bacterial vaginitis is something that we've been hearing a lot about. And uh, it was something that we wanted to keep in mind as well, because we know there are a lot of reasons why this BV is happening. And organic or was... Oh, so I'm going to start what you just said, because, um, again, some BV was happening because it, it just froze then. Oh, oh let's, sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So where did you lose me? Uh, you said a lot of BV was happening? Yeah, there's... a there's there's a, BV is something we're hearing... I can finish for her. Okay. We're used to stepping in for each other. Um, yeah, just bacterial vaginosis has certainly been a topic um, that hasn't been very well addressed in the public, but it's something that we hear a lot about. And, you know, when we first actually started wanting to create a condom, we thought right away, oh, we're going to create something of natural ingredients, aloe, lubricant, all kinds of ideas percolated. You know, we looked into it. But fundamentally, what we understood was that everything still impacts pH and still has sort of lingering and not necessarily in a bad way, but it means your body's absorbing it, something's happening. Whereas with silicone, it's, as Yasmin said, simply inert. It goes in, it comes out, it doesn't impact anything. So it's the safest lubricant to use for anybody. And that was uh, um, a major goal for us. And we're actually coming out with our own lubricant um, end of summer, fingers crossed. Uh, that the same thing. It's a hundred percent highest quality medical graded silicone because um, we believe that's the best thing that people should be using. Yeah, I've always been a big advocate of um, condoms in all of my in all of my content, and I wrote an article once called "Do You Really Want to Feel More?" <laughs> you know, because yeah, people might complain about that, but then I mean, feeling more could be actually a really bad thing. You could be itching, you could be scratching, you could be so true, you know, pregnant, exactly. <laughs> whatever. But for me as a sex toy reviewer, I actually use condoms with my sex toys because I've had a couple of times to the, a couple of trips to the ER room in my time. And that's another story. But so I've been very concerned about, you know, the, the, the ingredients of actual sex toys. And um, so I've been, um, I've, I've always taught that, you know, silicone lubricant for silicone toys is not a good thing because it degrades the silicone. Do Would you ever think about in, in incorporating a water-based one in the future, maybe for for toys or we definitely would consider that i think i think for us leading with you know this safest lube that we we believe is what we're sort of coming out with i think we've also realized and i don't know if this is consistent with your learnings that um if you are using toys with the highest grade silicone it actually won't degrade so right. and you know what's tricky is how do you know if your toy is the highest grade silicone and you know you don't want to find out the hardware hard way of course but um i would look into the manufacturing of certain toys and find i'm sure you can even ask them on the level of silicone grade that's being used because if it is high enough then it can actually be used with silicone lube. oh that's interesting so obviously probably there are other ingredients that went then are listed in, in those materials as well i imagine exactly mm. yeah so, so when they say um, let's say medical grade would that be a good a good indicator. Certainly. I think probably, and again, I, I don't know for sure, so I would always check with the manufacturer, but I think food grade or medical grade would be what you would want to look for. Okay. Interesting. So any more plans to expand the actual range of condoms for the moment? We are launching a large size. Okay, that's important. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're really excited about it. I mean, it's, it's really interesting with condoms because the difference between you know, uh, a regular size condom and a large size, it's actually very small. And it really is primarily around girth more That's than anything really else. Condoms yeah. are quite stretchy, right? Um, so we're excited to sort of expand to all sizes. Um, and we have plans in the future for other things, but we have mainly ambitions around creating more partnerships in fun ways to carry your condoms, we really want to promote this idea that condoms are part of your everyday wellness, self-care, like anything else. We talk a lot about how, you know, you grab your sunscreen, you grab your sanitizer, 
those are all things you're doing to protect yourself. Um, even your lip balm, like it's just a part of your daily arsenal and we want condoms to feel like that. Uh, we talk a lot actually specifically about uh, sunscreen because it was something 10 years ago that was, you know, there's very few brands. It was like bottom shelf in a pharmacy. Nobody thought twice until you're going on a beach vacation and then you went and bought your sunscreen. And now it's this beauty staple. Like, of course, you're putting your sunscreen on every day and you're carrying it with you. And, you know, you, you are very aware of what the ingredients are. And it's something we want condoms to feel more in that space. So doing a lot of things around um, how to get condoms into your everyday. Okay, so how can we make condoms sexy? What do you think about the lack of condoms in porn, for example? Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about, you know, ethical porn. For us, education is such a huge component of what we're doing in terms of um, alongside offering product, we want to be able to also offer reliable, scientifically backed education and expand this notion of sort of where you can buy condoms, how you can buy them, and how you feel about them. I think, you know, you brought up a really good point with toys where I think often people don't even think about condoms with toys, and it really can uh, broaden how people think about sex in terms of, you know, if you're going from vaginal to anal sex, if you're going from toy to toy, if there's multiple partners, you know, condoms are a way in which you can have experiences you know a a sort of more fluid experience more fluid sexual encounter um it really helps in that way it's not like whitney said it's not just about the sti prevention unwanted pregnancy so we do really want to go beyond that and then similarly i think you know you you brought up porn there's also we think hollywood does a really bad job of representing condoms because it's never portrayed in sort of your, your characteristic love scene mm-hmm. and so we think that yeah as, as a sort of society it's it's on the porn industry hollywood um to and and retailers we believe to bring condoms to the forefront to to make it feel something that is actually you know just you should be proud to keep your body safer uh, as opposed to sort of shameful and embarrassed. Yeah, I think there's a real lack of, um, I would like to see more eroticization of of the condom, you know, in in porn. And I think sometimes when it's included, I find it quite more realistic, you know, because I mean, if you're having sex with a stranger, then you want to have that protection, don't you? And we talk about also, you know, which to your point, it's a really beautiful moment to talk about consent. And, you know, so it's it's a it's a it's a great moment in porn in Hollywood movies and pop culture in general for that to be brought up and discussed, because that's also something that's like deeply omitted from in those situations. Uh, And certainly it makes a big difference. You know what you're seeing, I think, in pop culture in general kind of translates to how you feel about something. And, you know, we would love to see the industry change and to really move the needle on that. That's really positive what you just said about consent, because I think a lot of people think about that condom moment as being really awkward and kind of breaking the flow. But a, con- a consent is really sexy, isn't it? I mean, when you, you know, when you absolutely. Have- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you can, it's a moment to check in and express an enthusiasm for, you know, continuing on with with what you're doing. And um, again, it's this idea of, you know, safer sex can result in more pleasure, not less. Yeah. And I think I've looked into the kind of condoms in porn thing a lot, and I found that a lot of people prefer not to for some reason. I thought one of them, I can't remember, someone who is quite prolific in the porn industry talked about something that meant, you know, a lot of rubbing that, you know, could could be very painful if it's going on for hours. And I was thinking, they don't have much imagination then because it's not just about penetration, you know? It just seems really, you know, and it's kind of nice to see that barrier, you know, I, I think when I see that, I just think it's... I just feel better about it. I don't. I, mean, I don't. I mean, I would. I don't really watch porn myself, but I mean, to get off on someone else risking their health doesn't seem like a good thing for me. I think for sure. It, to me, it stems from this performance anxiety that, again, we found to be really weaved into the marketing of condoms. Because if you look at some of the names, it's Performax, long lasting. You know, this idea of, you know, it's a performance and you need to perform, and it's not a two way street. I, you know, and I think it's weaved into, you know, everybody's psyche, not just, you know, those, those with a phallus. So um, I think that's 
part of these sort of stereotypical notions of sex that we would like to break down because I think it would change the thinking around, yeah, it should be a no-brainer, like you said, if this, especially a scenario where strangers are meeting and having sex, that a condom would be involved in that scenario. Whenever I've seen a condom in porn, actually, it's been put on the wrong way, you know, stretched over. And this is something that, how are you, um, you know, resolving this issue about how to put condoms on correctly? So we actually, um, we have our, we have a, the FDA requires a very actually surprisingly limited instruction manual that um, only describes intercourse. I'm going to look for it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Between between, uh, a man and a woman and of course, sex ending at a man ejaculating. Mm -hmm. So we have actually petitioned to change that language and make it more inclusive but one thing we've done is also created our own illustration of of how to put on a condom correctly. And so it's, a, it's again, just much more playful, inviting. It's inclusive to all bodies. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't suggest that, you know, once ejaculation has taken place that it's, a, you know, game over. So that's something that we'd like to bring, you know, again, through some sort of advocacy work, we'd like to bring a lot more attention to in terms of um getting the FDA to recognize that this is language that needs to be changed. Um, and until then, we'll just create, keep creating content to make those who don't feel represented in those instructions represented. Mm-hmm. And, and going back to sex toys, um, um, I think sometimes I, one of my concerns is the dust on them, because a lot of silicones can actually attract dust. You see that when you have a dark colored toy, you can just see all this dust that's mm-hmm. come from nowhere, even if you just washed it. Right. If it's a matte type of silicone and then you're thinking that's going to go in your body and then how is that going to come out, you know? So having a condom is like having a fresh, clean surface every time, which just feels cleaner, you know? That's exactly it. It's so easy. Like you talk about with women, you know, there's always this idea, you know, after ejaculation, there's this mess with a condom in one way or another for somebody and there's Mm -hmm. this cleanup. Whereas a condom is a pretty nice, neat little package, um, you know, that makes that kind of after coital and whatever that looks like, um, much tidier. And it's something that we've talked about as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in English we call it, um, there's also something called a posh wank when you masturbate into a condom. <laughs> there's, there's no, no cleanup, yeah. <laughs> so do you have any, um, any scary stats that you can share with us about sexually transmitted infections? I, I mean... I think the scariest is what Yasmin has said, that they're at the highest levels in history. So nobody realizes that. Everybody thinks back to the dark days of sort of the late 80s. But the reality is that while there might be the advent of things like PrEP and people are less afraid of HIV, the reality is that it's still out there. It's still something that you have to treat. Um, Things like syphilis are back now in very high frequency. And the same thing, syphilis can be treated, but a lot of people don't show symptoms. They won't know they have it. And then it can be very, um, very, have major health consequences. Similarly, gonorrhea is something that, you know, people don't think twice about. They think, okay, everybody gets gonorrhea because it is rampant right now. But there's antibiotic resistant strains of gonorrhea now. There's parts, you know, so you're not going in and getting, you know, an an over-the-counter antibiotic. You're sitting on intravenous for multiple days in hospital. Um, it's something that the doctors are talking about. You know, we have infectious disease specialists uh, as part of the team that we reference, and they talk about just what an epidemic STIs really are for young people. And it's primarily those ages 15 to 25 um, and those in marginalized communities the most. And then there's this big gap and it's sort of the over like the seniors, 65 plus, where there's been a giant increase in all the STIs as well. Yeah, I've heard that before about the old... I guess I think because contraception is not an issue, they don't really care. Maybe that's probably the reason, maybe. Well, I think it's... Yeah, I think if you're coming out of a monogamous relationship and um, you're just not used to thinking about uh, condoms and and I think, you know, if there's multiple partners, it, it's just... it's Yeah, statistically, you're just... Higher rates of STIs in that demographic. So again, for us, we are thinking about it from, okay, so how do we get that educational piece out there and how do we, you know, help that community 
um, take precautions. And so we actually, you know, have on our TikTok a few um, posts about, you know, having Gen Z talk to their grandparents uh, about safer sex and and explain that condoms are as necessary for them as as they are for the Gen Z demographic. That's, a, that's an interesting role reversal. Yeah, exactly. The talk with your grandparents. <laughs> yeah, I went to a Catholic school, and um, you know, we never, we never, we never taught about condoms. Um, I went never. to Catholic school yeah. in the UK, and then in the Protestant school down the road, they were putting condoms on bananas and cucumbers. Right. And the pregnancy rate, the teenage pregnancy rate in our school, was much higher. That's you can imagine. Shockingly, shockingly, right? Yeah, I mean that's another uh, scary statistic. Is is wherever abstinence is taught is where you'll find the highest rates of teen pregnancy. So it's just it's exact. You know, it has the exact opposite effect of what I think those who think teaching abstinence uh, are hoping for. Definitely, definitely. With the senior population. I think that's a big factor too. Is the fact that they. Very few of them had any sort of sex education at all. So they're almost hearing all of this for the first time. So where are GEMS available then? So GEMS are available on our website, gemsforall.com. We are also available in the U.S. at select Target stores and target.com. And in Canada at well.ca, Whole Foods and Loblaws, which is our number one grocery chain. That's amazing. So how well was that? Was it easy to get into those um, establishments? It's The answer is yes and no. We've had an incredible reaction from retailers because I think they've truly understood that there is a white space in this, in this category. And so um, when we explain what the concept is and what we're trying to do, everybody has, you know, embraced the vision and, and truly, you know, taken us on without, you know, we're a very new company. And so they've, They've, they know that there's something there and they want to give us a go. I think what has been a learning lesson for us is that onboarding with major retailers is a minimum six month, but more likely a year long process. And so it's just a very kind of complicated and heavy lift to get um, the back end sorted. And so that's been a big learning for us. But um, it works, too, because I think you know, everyone has said you want to you want to walk before you run. And I think it's allowed us to sort of learn the learn the process and the behind the scenes of what it's like to onboard with big retailers. And um, it's valuable experience. And you, do you ship worldwide? We are currently only licensed in North America, so we don't ship worldwide. We uh, are working on specifically expanding into the UK and Australia and hopefully Europe not too far after. Amazing. So how long has it been then from, how long was it, when, when was it exactly when you started um, the idea? When, when was that? Uh, we sort of were heads down working March 2020. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, we officially launched in April of 2021. That's really amazing. It sounds a lot quicker than than other stories I've heard of, of condoms, especially for a new market like yourselves. It's going to get into something completely new. Mm-hmm. I think, well, though, to... But... Yeah, go yeah. ahead. No, I don't know what you were going to say, but I was going to say we certainly had been something that we had been talking about for longer than that, um, you know, just kind of pencils and ideas and formulating so that when we did kick off in March, it was kind of like, here's what we're doing, and we we ran with it. And, you know, the, the world shutting down was a very funny time. Yasu and I were both actually pregnant, which was funny because it was funny to be launching a condom company. And had we been in the real world, you both would have had these giant bellies like you said in our walking advertisement. Um, but it was and, you know, it did give us some time to pause and be able to sort of do things in a different way. You know, originally we thought we would be doing a ton in retail right away. And we couldn't, obviously, because so it made us, you know, change course a little bit Um like everything that that pandemic did, but um, seems all for the best in the end. I think we were also lucky and, you know, we always make sure to include in our founder story this idea that we, because we had a design studio, um, we had quite a bit of people power behind Gems from the get-go. So we had a team, you know, our design studio, we have an, we work with um, an amazing group of very creative 
self-starters who are very open to wearing many hats. And so when we came to them with this idea that we were going to launch our own condom, you know, we had team members who dove right in and they really helped us. Uh, you know, we treated it almost like a, a client in the sense that here's the idea and we have to help do the design and communications around this new product. And so that's sort of how the team embraced it. And so that's why Whitney and I always make sure that we don't convey that we weren't in our basement packing condom uh, boxes. We had a we had a really incredible team help us get it off the ground. And um, only now we do do um, stuff the sample sleeves that we give out at all of our <laughs> events. So, <laughs> have you got any interesting uh, feedback that you'd like to share from it? Reviews of the condoms. Yeah. I mean, we definitely get lots of good reviews um, of the product. You know, people saying, I never really liked condoms. I didn't like how they smell. They didn't like, you know, I got irritations afterwards. These feel so different. Um, people really love the condoms. I think one thing that I, I love that's more related to the packaging, but we've heard a lot from parents of college-aged kids sending their kids off to school. And they said, I desperately wanted to send them off with a pack of condoms. And I was sort of horrified at the idea of what I was, I didn't realize, but like it was making me nervous because the idea of presenting them with a typical condom package was conveying all these notions of sex that I wasn't trying to say. Um, and that, you know, having something like gems really gave me the power to feel like I could have an honest conversation and say what I wanted to say about sex in a way that, you know, really leveled the playing field. And I think for us, you know, that felt really great. Amazing. I was actually brought, my family's Irish and um, when I was growing up, um, you know, in Ireland, there was no condoms until the 90s. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then it was, um, I think, a prescription or something. It was, and it was, you know, in these very wow. small rural communities, it was very embarrassing to go to a right. pharmacy yeah. and uh, get some condoms. Even I was very embarrassed getting condoms. So when I saw them available in supermarkets, it just seemed easier to hide them under your fruits. You don't, you don't have to have that conversation. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's funny that you say that because it's, you know, there's a lot of, um, in the U.S. in particular, in pharmacy, and, even, and and in Canada as well, they're behind the counter or they're in locked things. Oh, yeah. They push a big red button to call people up. And it's not because they're the most expensive item, but they're a high ticket theft item because people are really mm. embarrassed to buy them. Um, and that's a big point of what we're trying to do. So we're trying to sell condoms in other places. Like we've been sold on Urban Outfitters in the U.S. Oh, wow. and other sort of, you know, young fashion boutiques or in bars and restaurants because nobody wants to go to the kind of traditional condom aisle to your point you know I, we felt when we were buying all the you know other condom brands when we were first starting this research we were embarrassed and it's like you know we got kids like the jig is off <laughs> not a big deal but it just it is an embarrassing aisle it's an embarrassing product right now and the packaging's embarrassing so it, it as much as it's different from maybe rural ireland then it's it's not that Hmm. Definitely. A couple of quick questions for you. And, and I ask all my guests, what's the book that changed your life? Both of you, do you have a book? Because I, I, love, I love books, so I always uh, include book reviews and I'm always looking for new things to read. Completely, completely unrelated. Completely unrelated. Yeah. I don't think there are any books on condoms that I know of. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, God, so many. Well, so many books. Um, I love, I recently listened to the audiobook of an older book, uh, Trevor Noah's Born a Crime. Uh -huh. And I just thought that was such a fascinating portrayal of his life growing up in apartheid in South Africa, being born to a black man and a white mother and literally being born a crime. And I just thought the way he told this story with so much, um, tumult and trauma, but with this humor and that it, it kind of, it just breeds empathy, I thought was really an amazing story that stuck with me amazing and you Aspen? like for some reason my mind keeps coming back to le petit prince and i don't even i know love why. it um it's just it it was i i've read it many times and at different points in my life and i'm actually it's one that i'm very excited to share with my children but it's just the uh, sense of adventure friendship um self-discovery it's just one of those that it always sticks with me. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a book that I truly treasure. Yeah, it's amazing. Lots of great philosophy in that book. Yeah. yeah. And what about the phrase or affirmation or quote that you live by? 
done is better than perfect. Okay, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) That's something that Whitney and I say to each other um, a lot recently because uh, I think what's different from our sort of career as designers versus our career in launching a product is that we have to move quicker and be more responsive than we've ever had to be. And so even though I'm somebody that would love, I can overthink and I'd lo- and I have, I get decision fatigue. So I have to tell myself that a lot in order to keep moving forward. Okay. Would you say the same, Whitney? Oh. I say a lot to people when they talk about wanting to start their own business, that the only difference between people that do and people that don't are people that do and people that don't. Okay. There's no sort of, there's no sort of like magic to it, I always think, or nobody's better or knows more. It's just this idea of just doing it, um, kind of like naively and bravely jumping into something. So let's say that's another one that we sort of live by. Fantastic. So where can people find you? So on our website at gemsforall.com and on Instagram and TikTok at gemsforall and gems is with a J. So something that can be confusing at times. Okay. Is there any reason for the J and not the G? There is a subtle nod to Gem and the Holograms. That was, again, something that had come up in our discussion and <laughs> something about the, you know, the color palette, the playfulness, the um, lightness there. That So that was sort of, we drew the J from there as well. Perfect. So thank you so much for joining us today on the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Lovely to talk to you. The book I'm reading now is The Better Man, A Guide to Consent, Stronger Relationships and Hotter Sex by Eric Fitzmedrud, PhD. I hope I've pronounced his surname correctly. I am so looking forward to reading this book. Well, I'm actually halfway through right now. And I'm reading this book because I will be interviewing Eric very soon for this podcast and I'm so excited to get some more male perspective on here because most of my guests have been female until now and I think this is a very important topic as well sexual consent especially post me too era I think there's a lot of healing that needs to happen between the masculine and the feminine and I know for myself I am a survivor so I think there's a lot of you know pain and and things to overcome and I think there's also pain on the male side as well especially men who are not predators being kind of labeled as bad because of, of of some men who are not so good. And it's a real it's a real pity. So I think there needs to be some conversations about consent to what is consent and what isn't consent and how do we navigate these conversations. And this book is very insightful. I've been learning a lot about the male perspective, the male uh, gaze, the male perspective on sexuality and desire and um Let me just read a little bit from the website. If you're a man who's confused about consent, you aren't alone. In the post Me Too era, men know they need to get consent, but don't know how to ask for it. They may be afraid of doing the wrong thing or worried about giving up hot sex. In this practical guide to navigating sexual relationships with respect, I use my expertise as a sex positive psychologist to teach men the skills to be better lovers partners and humans. The Better Man, a guide to consent, stronger relationships and hotter sex empowers men to embrace their sexuality, manage their emotions and understand entitlement. Wow, this is so interesting. I've been really um, enlightened when I, by reading this book, um, especially about how um, men navigate their own desires, especially. And it's given me some insight that I didn't really have before, but it's not just about asking for consent. Um, I think it's given me some ideas about how to express your sexual desires and sexual intentions with someone. For example, there's a very interesting exercise in it where you have, let's say, this table of different um, different ranges of desires from, yes, I really need this. Yes, I like this, but not so often. This is this is awful or this is gross. So all these different activities going from how you talk about sex, how you like to be touched and, um, and accessories, all these different aspects of sexuality that you can in- incorporate and maybe fill out this this table and compare it with that of your partners. I think that's something that I think is really interesting. We don't talk about that enough. 
Now, something I've always said that, for example, people in the polyamorous or BDSM communities, they tend to talk, have these difficult conversations a lot more often than most of us do in the vanilla world. Um, I think it's really important to communicate desires, but also the boundaries, also the things that you don't want to do and, and things that really turn you off. I know I've talked about about it here before, but I've been in situations where I have frozen because um, someone has gone to a place that I didn't allow, I, I wasn't expecting. Um, but because I was already in the situation, I didn't really know how to communicate that this yes had become a, oh my God, what's happening now kind of thing. And I think sometimes um, if we don't share that, if we don't communicate that, then we can end up feeling very, very lost, especially if you're with a new partner because you don't really know what their background is. And um, I think it's important to communicate your intentions um, in general, your tastes in general, but also your intentions for that specific moment. And it doesn't have to be an awkward conversation. It can actually be quite sexy to discuss desires. You can actually do it, you know, on text message before you actually get together like, and just share everything you want to do with that person. That could be a really hot way to actually start the foreplay because I think um, speaking is definitely part of foreplay. And also to um, respect someone's boundaries and monitor them throughout the encounter to make sure that they still are into it. Because, I mean, there's a really interesting film called Anatomy of a Scandal, which is so interesting. I, I reviewed it on my YouTube channel and I thought it was a very clever way of um, discussing consent. For example, it's about a a politician in the UK who his um, affair with a subordinate in his office is about to blow up in the media and he's getting the warning the, the night before and then his wife finds out. So at first it's like, oh, this is an affair. But as the story unravels, we, we realize that it's actually a rape accusation because they were having sex in a lift or something like that. And then it got very forceful and the woman in question um, became very, um, she kind of changed her mind and, you know, because it got a bit more violent than she expected. And she didn't actually verbally say no, but she kind of froze. And um, I can't remember exactly the the details of it. But I mean, the, the, this, um, the review I made of it has actually provoked some very negative comments from men about um, about this whole concept. But I think we need to understand each other more. I don't think, um, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, men not, not, not reading the situation potentially, and then there's also women not communicating. That's a very over, a massive oversimplification. But if we talk about these things a bit more, the expectations, intentions, then I think we can all reach a place of having hotter sex and, and enjoying it a lot more. And also talking during sex and, and being on the same page rather than being, you know, having this big mystery and, and just making assumptions all the time. Um, the more you communicate, the better it's going to be and uh, the more rewarding it's going to be. So let me just share another list of what you're going to find out in this book. This book shows men how to learn evidence-based skills and strategies for practicing consent. Understand that getting consent can be sexy. Communicate more effectively in their relationships heal their own wounds from patriarchy by taking responsibility for their own behavior. Use principles of safety and health to pursue passionate sex. Understand toxic masculinity while celebrating male sexuality and honoring diverse identities and lifestyles. As a woman, I still feel that this book is insightful and educational for me. I think I would encourage anyone to read this book if they need to kind of understand male desire a bit more. And it's not just about sex. It's also about emotional intentions because um, it's important to communicate that as well, to communicate to someone if, it, if you just see them as a hookup or if you want something more, if, if the sex is going gonna, is gonna to have some meaning to it. You know, I think that's, a, that's another part of consent that we don't talk about too much um, about what our intentions are in general. I think sometimes we need to be on the same page as, as far as emotional expectations and physical expectations are concerned. So there we have it. The Better Man, A Guide to Consent, stronger relationships and hotter sex. Now it's time to slow things down as we prepare for this episode's guided affirmations meditation. It's probably not a good idea to listen to this while driving or operating machinery. Instead, take a break from whatever you're doing, get comfortable, take a deep breath and enjoy. I prioritize safe.
look after my body. I protect my health. Open communication ensures safe encounters. Condoms empower me to enjoy intimacy safely. Safe sex is an act of self-love. I prioritize safe sex. I protect myself. Regular testing keeps me informed. Consent and boundaries are non-negotiable. I choose partners who are committed to safe sex. Safe sex is a vital part of my life. Safe sex is an act of self-love. I prioritize safe sex. I protect myself. I prioritize my sexual health and well-being. I always choose safe and responsible sexual practices. I respect my body and the bodies of my partners. I make informed decisions to protect us both. Safe sex is an act of self-love. I prioritize safe sex. I protect myself. I communicate openly about safe sex practices with my partner. Condoms and protection empower me to enjoy intimacy without worry. I take charge of my sexual health. Consent and boundaries are essential in every sexual encounter. Safe sex is an act of self-love. I prioritize safe sex. I protect myself. My partner honors my boundaries without question. I choose partners who share my commitment to safe sex. My sexual health is a priority. I embrace safe sex as an essential part of my life. Safe sex is an act of self-love. Did you know that you could play video games with your vagina? I recently tried a product called Perifit, P-E-R-I-F-I-T, and it's one of the best pelvic floor trainers that I have ever tried. And basically you put something inside your vagina and then you connect with your phone and it has an app and you play video games while you are strengthening your pelvic floor. So you'd be killing birds and squeezing. It's so much fun. And also this device gives you some biofeedback on the app, which is very motivating because that means it will, it will, you see how you are progressing and it means that you will be more motivated to continue with your pelvic floor training. I'd like to share with you a discount code for Perifit and the discount code is VENUS15, all capitals, VENUS15. And the website is perifit, P-E-R-I-F-I-T dot C-O. So if you would like to play video games with your vagina and strengthen your pelvic floor, check out perifit.co, discount code VENUS15. To find out more about me and my orgasmic lifestyle, visit venusohara.org or follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash venusohara.
make sure to search for the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening. Have an orgasmic week and make sure every day is a climax.